Get your kicks. <laughs> On Adventure 66. <laughs> I love that show. I love that song. <laughs> anyway, as usual, it's DM Mike here once again with the somewhat recovered DM Liz. Hi, everyone. We can understand her. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> <laughs> Although when she first got out of the surgery, she was kind of like that uh, Bill Cosby skit. Yes. I have my tooth pulled. I could only wish I was that understandable. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, DM Glenn. Hi, Mr. Novocaine Brain himself. That's me. And it, bad enough the you know the lip, the bottom lip was numb, but she also had like a mouthful of. Uh, cotton batting and such. So she was walking around talking like the Godfather or something? More like the... Not that coherent. (laughs) Like Ozzy Osbourne when he's trying to talk. Oh, okay. I had to have a notepad and write down so that my mom could read what it was I was trying to say because I really could not make any kind of real words for the first three or four hours. Yeah. It's like they really, really numbed my mouth up big time. I can imagine. They could really do a number on you when they want if they want. (laughs) But you got your general anesthetics. Yes I did. It was (laughs) it was very nice. And I I had no clue. It's like they put the IV in and I remember turning my head Uh so that I wouldn't see it going in. Uh-huh. Because I'm really squeamish about that kind of thing, oh, yeah. and thinking to myself, you know, I wonder how long it will take for me to fall asleep, and then the next thing I know, I'm waking up. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like I didn't even feel myself getting sleepy, you know, losing consciousness. Uh-huh. It just it happened, and then I was awake again. It's you like, close wow. your eyes and you open them again, and it's four hours later. Yeah, it's like whoa, that better is- living through chemistry. <laughs> Isn't that cool? I love that. <laughs> except the except the chance that I won't ever wake up again. Uh, but <laughs> hey, you roll the dice, you take your chances. I was super scared before I lost consciousness. <laughs> I can imagine. You know, you'd start counting down and breathing, and then boom, you're gone. It's so. Fortunately, un- she forgot to ask to keep her teeth because we were thinking. I was thinking maybe we could run a contest and. No, can have my teeth. Teeth, teeth dice, yes. <laughs> Although, well, they had to cut up the one on the left, on the right side, to uh-huh. get it out. So, oh. couldn't have done anything with that one anyway. 
but I forgot to mention that I wanted to keep any of them. So mm. I mentioned it when I woke up again, but it was too late. Mm. And um, anyway. So. So, <laughs> speaking of needles, the last four or five weeks, I've been going into the uh, to my, my uh, osteopora, what the hell is that? Orthopedist, thank you. I've been going to orthopedist and getting shots in my knees. How's that working? Uh, it works great. He said it'll last from up to up to a year. Huh. Cool. They, char- they charge me enough, it better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's like in the knees. Uh, he says, well, yeah, guess what? You have... Oh, God, we're old people. <laughs> we're all talking about our... <laughs> And I had this new Duke cream to put on my aching joints, and it's so much better now. And well, it turns out I've st- I got You're a little... Right. Turns out I got a little arthritis in the knees, and it, I mean, these are, this is so expensive. I, I went to the to my. I was also. I'm also going to a urologist, and they're they're going to do. She <laughs> said, "Okay, we could we talk to your insurance. You're only paying ten percent because you met your deductible for the year." Whoa! <laughs> One fell swoop met the deductible. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Anyway, Maybe believe it or not, <laughs> perhaps the the name of our podcast, Save or Die, is a lot more appropriate <laughs> than we had initially thought. <laughs> yeah, because even if you save, you still take half damage, apparently. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I survived. Liz survived. We're all right. <laughs> anyway, this episode will probably be the last of the Attack of the Clones, and as we've been going down the time period, we've got to the clone for the quote-unquote most recent classic version, that is the Rules Cyclopedia, which is also basically the Menser sets, and it's Dark Dungeons from uh, Gratis Games, but we'll be discussing that a little later. First, it's time for what Glenn's section. What have you been doing other than getting medical treatment? Well, that's that kind of le- that kind of works into what we're doing on the show here, uh, because my last Saturday basic RC game. Um, we're getting ready to. As if you haven't listened to, st- I'll give you a recap. If you haven't listened to Thaco's Hammer, um, we're getting ready to assault a green dragon. Ooh. Um, and my friend Brad is now on character number eight. Since the campaign started. Remember I told you about his character, Durr? Yeah. Killed by the grizzly bear? Well, I forgot one part of that. The reason he was doing that is because he found a ring early on that the DM said was a ring of animal control. But it's actually... Oh, man, he could have... It was a ring of delusion, though. Oh, (laughs) so he just thought he could control animals. Oh, no. And the funny thing is, we didn't think anything of it because he had a three intelligence. We just thought, oh, he's just being stupid. <laughs> so we didn't know. And everything from orcs to real animals, he was trying. Every time we wanted to hit, can I hit him? He said, no, you're absolutely certain the spring is going to control that. So mm-hmm. go ahead. And so, like, grizzly bear, whack, whack, he's dead. <laughs> nice. But he, well, his last character got swallowed by a giant catfish. So. <laughs> Hey, catfish are mean. He's working his way down the ladder. <laughs> but well, the three intelligence, the catfish, was probably smarter oh, than he was. This was his new character. 
his uh, halfling. He drank he drank a potion of water breathing for some reason. We found a pool with a waterfall in it, and he's we want to know what was down there. We threw rocks. Says, oh, I'll just walk down there. <laughs> you know <laughs> what's down there? Well, apparently, a catfish is down there. <laughs> And so, nice. so we have this cave complex of a green, green dragon, and we found its horde. Cool. But no dragon. That's and the best way to find a horde. That's true, but we also, know, fishy. also know the dragon's somewhere in here, and he knows we're here. Ah, uh, he's invisible or something. So we we left it there. He says, okay, we're gaming in two weeks. You guys got two weeks to figure out how you want to assault this thing. <laughs> he says, I'm not pulling any punches on the dragon. So, you know. Is this still Barrow Maze? No, no, no. We're out of Barrow Maze. This is, this is, ah, okay. we're over in Mythgarther, his, his, his area of Mistara now that he made. Oh, okay. And we're trying to clean out this, get rid of this red, green dragon. And it's like, okay, uh, let's see. Green dragon, breath weapon is gas, right? Okay, fine. And we're just like going through, we're going to Facebook. Okay, you got this. I got this. We got a blush spell over here. We can throw a fireball. Da, da, da. Can we plant like Burby's tiger traps in the, the horde game or something? And, you know, we're just like. The fact that he's giving you two weeks to make a plan really makes me. Very concerned. <laughs> well, Your DM is feeling very confident about this. Also said that if we could avoid the breath weapon, we have a good chance of surviving it. And Gage wasn't with me, and when I saw Gage... Most I, attacks are that way. If you <laughs> avoid it, it, you can survive it. Uh, I told Gage when I saw him again, he says, you are going to be at the next game. <laughs> we need all hands on deck. <laughs> Well, he'd probably jump at the chance to fight a dragon anyway. Oh hell yes! I mean that that fro- that white dragon, that blue dragon he threw against us, the one with the frost breath. Yeah, I know he don't pull punches with dragons at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're gonna wait a minute. A blue dragon with frost breath? Uh, well, I've, no, white. Um, white white dragon. Okay, white dragon. Yeah, we we all got turned into popsicles. So yeah, I know what he can do with dragons. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, claw claw bite is easy to avoid. It's that breath weapon. But anyway, and um, I guess that's about it. Oh, and I bought the dungeon board game. Cool. Which one? The current one. Ah, uh, okay. okay. Did they re-release it? Yeah, they recently redid it, I, but it's not exactly the same as the old one. It's pretty much the same. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, more or less, but they did change some stuff out. I'd heard. Um, it, it kind of works the same way. Go in, you know, go in the area, kill the monster, take the treasure, and try not uh-huh. to get killed. Um, I bought it. Well, I saw it. I, I was looking for something else. I saw it online for like twelve ninety five, in this one mm-hmm. place. It's like I can't resist that, so I yeah. went and bought it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cheap. Because Gavin doesn't play D and D yet. He's too young. So this is giving him a chance to, you know, like do something D and D ish. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to get him started. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially if you use minis instead of the little pongs. Yeah, as Brian said, it's the gateway drug. <laughs> that's What have you guys been doing? Other so than- that's what they really meant by gateway to adventure way back <laughs> when. <laughs> Who knew? So well, obviously, Liz has been on drugs for a while. Woo-hoo. Is she still? Um, I'm on over-the-counter stuff now. Dog. And it's, I would say... I'm at 95% okay. works for me. Mm-hmm. So, 
It's just a little bit of discomfort kind of hovering in the background, but for the most part, I'm pretty good now. Yeah, but it's not nearly as fun, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know about fun. I mean, more or less what what the really umphy stuff did was just make me sleepy and I dozed all day. And so I'm I'm, go down. Yeah. I'm glad to get out of that and being able to be more alert and actually read my books and cuz yeah, I was I was at home for most of the rest of the week and I had lots of free time, but I just couldn't concentrate enough to really be able to read the books I had. Right. So I just sort of drooled on the sofa and, you know, slept and cats piled on me. They were happy, but <laughs> it was kind of boring. Gotcha. Gotcha. How about you, Mike? What's up? Um, How's Professor Mike? Well, still uh, working on that uh, classic adventure for North Texas RPG Con. Um, other than that, just kind of helping take care of her. Uh, and and we got our issue of Gygax Magazine. Everybody's getting the issue but me. Well, there are several people I've been hearing on Facebook saying that they have not gotten theirs yet either. So I got two copies coming. So. Yeah, we're sp- we were supposed to have two as well, but we've only received one of them. Uh, so, okay. you know, who knows when number two will come? And uh, you want to say something about uh, Rob? Uh, Tim Cask uh, said something about Ernie Gygax. Yes, um, earlier today, um, Tim Cask posted on Facebook uh-huh. um, saying that. Ernie Gygax lost everything he owned but his dog when his, his apartment burned down. And his roommate. Um, no, his roommate is fine. Um, he goes on to say Ernie is okay, the dog is okay, and the roommate is okay. Everything appears to be a total loss. Gygax Magazine and his friends and family are rallying around for him. I will keep everyone informed as I know it. We are already discussing schemes and stratagems for helping him back onto his feet. Um, so I just wanted to boost the signal a little bit and have us mention it here. And as we find out more about what's being put together to help Ernie out, you know, we'll pass it along to our listeners either on the Save or Die page, on our Facebook page. You know, we'll, we'll get the information out there for you guys. Yeah. Uh, but fortunately, you know, Ernie's fine and, you know. That's the important thing. Yeah, they lost stuff. They didn't lose any people or dogs. So that's good. Yeah. yeah. Especially the people part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if, so, yeah, that's pretty much been us. Yeah. Do we have any emails? We have a lot of emails. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're getting a main- lot of. Getting a lot of emails from people, you know. Thank you so much. But yeah, we're having to you. work hard to keep up. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So oh, let's go ahead and get a chunk of them out of the way at least. Yeah, I'll open the bag. All righty. Well, our first email is from Daryl Smith. Hi, Daryl. <laughs> he says, "Hey, SOD crew, rolls dice. Hope all is good in your realm." I'm new to the whole podcast thing, but thanks to Glenn, I now know what it is, and so far only listened to Save or Die. Totally addicted. I'm about halfway through your podcast adventures, and from what I've heard, I think you guys would be amazing DMs. Thank you. (laughs) Well, Mike, anyway. I have a few questions to run by you. 
Have you guys ever brought your imaginations together and tried a multi-DM, one weekend only type of campaign with 9 to 12 PCs? Maybe a save or die mini-con or something. Wow. Uh, no, we have not tried that. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, we want to keep our brains. Yeah. Although I have run stuff um, at North Texas RPG Con on occasion. I I didn't last year. I kind of took the time off just to enjoy the con. Uh, I mean, it might be pretty easy for Mike and I to do it since we live together. So, you know, it would be very convenient for the two of us to, you know, plan um, maybe some Skype sessions or something. The, that could work. The three of us could get something together. But, no, we've never done that before. It's certainly something to think about for the future, though. Yeah, maybe yeah. we could get Angry Monk to run it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't make Monk angry. <laughs> you wouldn't like him when he's angry. Especially if you call him T-Man. T-Man, yes. Yes, yes. It was my fault. Oh. You know, we were we were we were listening to the episode again and I was the one who first mentioned it. And, and I just agree. And everybody just went along with me and it's like everyone's piling onto Mike about <laughs> you said it was Timid. It's like it was me who first yeah, said I it. that out to her. It's like, okay, you started it, but everybody piles on me. I'm just a girl, Mike. No one expects me to know. And more like they you're cute, so they don't want to jump on you. So let's get Mike. Anyway. So I take full responsibility. I can only apologize again to Angry Monk and hope that he will not be so angry in the future. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Last um, email. It's um, on. Yeah, anyway. Um, his next question is, how much role-playing is in a typical game you run? Role-playing? What, what? What's it? Um, I'm, I personally am very role-play heavy. I like a lot of role-playing. Um, if, if you're a combat monster you probably wouldn't be too happy in a game that I ran. Which is not to say that I don't do combat at all, but I do like the role-playing. Yeah, I'd say I'm probably about 60% role-play. Um, and that's at my home table, 60-70% role-play. Right. At a con, you know, I tend to go about 50-50, maybe a little extra on the combat heaviness, because, you know, you're gaming with strangers, and it's right. hard to know... As a DM, you really kind of have to, you know, um, cater, you know, special, specialize your game for your players. And if you don't know them, usually it's easy, you know, to make con attendees happy with a lot of combat. Oh, yeah. I'm about 40% only because I'm the kind of guy I role play when the rest of the group lets me role play. <laughs> if they're into like go in the next room find out what's in there listen at the door break it down well i just sort of like go with the flow you know but if the dm's going to stop and have us talk to somebody hell you know all night i'll do it all night yeah okay and his last question to us is when you guys first started role playing what were your first impressions and what about it keeps you playing my first impression? You mean, you mean the whole game isn't just making a character? <laughs> My first impression? Holy crap, this is awesome! But I was 9 to 10 years old, so, you know. Yeah, I was about I was about 11 or so when I first picked up the Holmes box. And um, I will admit, you know, back then, because I was so young and 
I was very, very new to the whole concept, I was a lot more combat than role play. Ah. Um, and just kind of getting into the whole thing about it. Um, well, I thought that was it was also the time period where, you know, Bakshi's um, Wizards, Rings, Lord of the Rings, and Hobbits. Hobbit came out, you know, in that roughly in that period, a few years. So, right. and all those crappy B movie sword and sorcery movies too. Well, most of them hit in the early '80s, but yeah, oh, okay. yeah, most of. Uh, Hawk the Slayer was late '70s, wasn't it, Liz? Uh, I think it was like '81, actually. Oh, was it? Or, okay. Well, it might have been '79, '81, somewhere in there. I'd have to yeah. look again. Yeah. Yeah. The the in the wake of fighting eagle. <laughs> yes. So anyway, yeah, I mean, and maybe it's because my first set was the Holmes box set, but when I was a kid, I even when I just started playing, I would read that book over and over again, and it, even today, rereading it, it just seems to just exude imagination and enthusiasm. I didn't own any D&D books until I bought 2E. Uh, um, I, if I, not to beat a dead horse again, but you heard my story about it. <laughs> Uh, I almost, yeah, I almost, I've, I've got to say, all right, fine, I talk about champions somewhat on these shows, but it saved me from drop, dumping role-playing altogether, mainly because of what my DM did earlier than, you know, before. Um, the old bait, when she did the old bait and switch, okay, we played D&D for two sessions, let's spend three years playing Gamble World now. And I was so utterly bored of Gamma World, I just wanted to drop out of role-playing forever. And then she got this game called Champions for her birthday, and she let me look at it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I don't know if I could do this. So I spent 12 years playing that. Then I went back to D&D. Okay, now I am thoroughly entrenched in role-playing. Bring on well, the D&D. You know? Well, and that's not entirely unusual. I have met people who their first experience with gaming, uh-huh. RPGs, put them off because – Frankly, they had a crappy DM, or yeah. the group they were in were a bunch of crappy players. Bunch of jerks, yeah, yeah, and and you know, then it's like it's twice as hard to bring them back in. To, no, you see, you just had a bad group. Things can be better, right? Gotcha. But so, but thank you, yeah. Carol. Yeah, thanks yeah. for the email. And he's he winds up with keep up the awesome work. So. Thank you. We will do our best. <laughs> so our next email is from Rust. Right. And Rust writes, Rust. Greetings, Saver Die. Greetings. says, Been hearing the same dumb story over and over, that people don't like to play the cleric. I love playing clerics. What's he talking about? <laughs> no, hey. I, I know what he means. I personally don't have a problem playing clerics, but I have met lots of people who don't want to. That's why yeah. he doesn't like D&D. The first time she ever played, she played a cleric. Now I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he goes on. Uh-huh. And though I could go on and on, bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I should just try to help out. The right. one-time one, sh- the one-time one-time shot with an option to campaign all cleric cast AD and D second edition vanilla RPG night. <laughs> okay. The setup is easy. All players are people who started down the path of the cleric. Any religion will work. Any, even any evil. I can see how this session went. It went like ten minutes. They all start beating each other up. <laughs> 
the king of generic noun has called for all clerics from all the lands around the kingdom for royal trials. During, during the night, the friar bursts in on the common room of the abbey, screaming, monsters, undead horrors, collapsing in the middle of the floor. F-R-Y-E-R, by the way. Hey, 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 hey. Leave him alone. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm seeing like a, you know, a for french fries coming in. Hey, this is what spell check does to us all. Okay. It is, <laughs> I swear to God, <laughs> leave him alone. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. He says he will explain that the local graveyard has become corrupt and he nearly escaped the crypts without his flask. And they should ready him, themselves for battle. They are the closest resistance to this blight on the kingdom. Before they leave, he will bless them all with times 15 experience. And that this special bless should not be spoken with to anyone else, lest the king find out. Uh This is to help players that have never played a cleric find it worth their time to play. A min-maxer trap, you might say. Uh It also lets them try a cleric and find out you can actually charge in <laughs> and get a few sums, so to speak. <laughs> a few levels to see that healing spells help, but a good entangle can stop 20 bad guys in a pinch, and it's also flammable. Oh, yeah. You can do normal XP also, but the whole adventure should be run as an action movie. Fast pace, we're talking up to five clerics heading to an undead battle, and they've got the heads up. Wow. Being in their element, even the evil clerics, royal approval is a gain worth playing along for. The end of the adventure, I will leave open. <laughs> Thank you, Rust. <laughs> I mean, yeah, interesting idea. I don't know that I would run the evil ones, though. Cause I, I, that's could... what I, I had this. It, 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 I envisioned, okay, I'm going to give you a bless. He puts the bless on all of them. <laughs> all the evil ones drop dead. <laughs> it's like, oops, sorry. <laughs> or it's undead and the evil ones start controlling them. Yes. But they could do that and still save the kingdom and get some good swag from the local king, I suppose. Yeah. yeah if but they're they, but it if makes they're them- evil in so far as just being really selfish and self centered. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in it for me, baby. <laughs> yeah, but it just makes me think of that Dr. Steele song, Build the Robots. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna make, make the world, world a, better, a place. better place. For me. me. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, it's it's an interesting, you know, slam people into playing a cleric to see. And some cleric spells do really well. Remember what the Create Water was doing in our couple of yeah. weeks ago in that 2E game? Uh-huh. You know, it's like we had this, you know, explosive powder that, you know, it's going to we, – we have very trouble. We can't light torches. We can't do all this stuff because otherwise we'll explode the area. That's right. So our claret goes, hey, create water. <laughs> and light torches. No problem. Wow. You know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean it's a lot of people don't think outside the box, and that's what a cleric is really good for. Right. He uh, – yeah, I think I think it's really good that every once in a while that scenario of like work together or else really works. Yeah, sometimes you need to do that depending on, on your group. Right. You, know, you got to – it's like herding cats. Yeah, Everybody much. wants to play the grim, all-black-wearing loner. That's when the DM gets a sheepdog. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, ah, we got any more? We do. Our next one is from DM Matt. Hey, Matt, this this guy's my DM. This is guy. This, oh, okay. He's also known as Odinist on uh, Dragon's Foot. Yeah. Anyway, DM Matt first writes, Hey, guys, DM Matt here. I just finished listening to your Labyrinth Lord podcast. I was surprised to hear that two-for-one swapping went all the way back to Holmes and was curious, like Glenn, as to how far back it went. I checked book one of the Little Black Books, and it's not in there. Earl checked Brown Greyhawk. Books. Yeah, sorry. It just said LBBs, and I just said black instead of brown. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even blame being on drugs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, checked book one of the Little Brown Books, and it's not in there. Checked Greyhawk. Not in there either. Absent in Blackmore. Eldritch Wizardry? Nope. And, of course, nothing in Gods, Demigods, and Heroes. So it looks like Holmes is indeed where it started. Did you try, did you one, thing I, one thing I noticed when looking that was interesting, which I didn't remember about the original Little Brown books, is that the DM is supposed to be the one who rolls stats for players. That is insane. Amen. <laughs> but then he followed up with another email after having listened to episode 64 and says, well, I just listened to episode 64 and heard the email from Mr. Seymour about finding the adjustments in the Little Brown books. I guess I had completely missed that when I emailed previously about this. Oops. I'm not alone. That's right. Woo-hoo. See, you were not the only one who couldn't find it. <laughs> I kept hearing that email in his voice. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you go into a room. and Anyway, um, <laughs> Yeah, Mike, you gotta. Th- yeah, Matt, thanks. Send more. You know, get get some of the other guys, Brad, them to send in emails too. Yeah, so to. t- tell us some of the stories from your game that Glenn doesn't want us to hear about. That's right. Well, they you, they can't be. You, you, <laughs> you can't have children in the room when we talk about those. Well. If we get those stories, we will be sure to inform everyone beforehand that the next section is not safe for work. <laughs> Your disc- listener discretion advised. Is advised for the next five minutes. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Hey, Matt, that that's cool. Thank you. Even though you yeah. know, now he won't. Now every session he won't go. You read my email yet? Read my email yet? We, we read both your emails. Yes, that's we did. Right. And you send more. We will read more. Doggone it. Woohoo! Let's do it. Unless you do a voicemail, and then we'll play it. Yeah, yeah we, we won't read it if it's a voicemail. We'll yeah, yeah. Even if you're running Friars, F-R-Y-E-R-S. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it. Russ will give you tetanus. Yeah, well, Russ never, <laughs> no, Russ never, Russ never sleeps, so okay. Right. So, our next email is from Turco. Hey, Turco. Hey, Turco. He writes, hey, gang, I've listened to all the episodes of Save or Die, but I can't remember if you guys ever talked about the boxed sets that were produced in the 90s. The new easy-to-master Dungeons & Dragons game, 1991, the classic Dungeons & Dragons game, 1994, and the Dungeons & Dragons Adventure game, 1999. I think it would be cool if you talked about the mechanics of these sets and how they are different from and similar to the boxed sets produced in the 80s. Briark Turco. He's nuts. (laughs) Um, I must say I'm really I personally am not familiar at all with the basic sets that came out in the 90s and afterwards you know I I have no I have the black challenger edition Ah. which as far as I can tell 
was pretty much rules-wise no different than Mincer. Right. Um, it just rephrased things, and for the worse, in my opinion. But on the other hand, it did take people up to level five, which I thought was kind of cool. Now, now it would be good to get DM Matt on here to talk about those, because he has experience with those box sets. In fact, on our basic game, he's run us through a couple of the – remember you had the big black box set that had, like, other box sets that were, like, kind of like um, – module big modules for him with all the stuff in them right um, yeah, yeah as a matter of fact our uh, our dm read, showed us one of those i think yeah yesterday after the game was over for one about night of the, the comet thingy yeah, like yeah. night of the comet tale of the comet tale of the comet yeah it had like a <laughs> goblin one and all this other stuff and he ran us through one of those so he is very familiar in fact we're still we're still dealing with the fallout of the one he ran ran us through we're after zanzer tam so yeah, he knows all about that kind of stuff. But me, it's like once the RC hit, it's like all the other ones were like kind of, to me, rehashes. Yeah, well, people, if our listeners would like to hear us cover them, write in. And, you know, if there's a demand, we'll consider looking at them. Yeah, we will. We will. Um, we will. We will. Yes. We will. <laughs> we will consider. Yes. Now we're talking like this. <laughs> <laughs> so our next email is from Job Bittman. Hello, Job. Yo, Joe. <laughs> I'm sure he hears that eight billion times, or at least did in the 80s. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, Job writes, I'm a huge fan of Kobolds, too. I wrote a Kobold adventure to 4E, but I think Liz would like it. Um, I don't think I'm supposed to share it, so don't resend to anyone else. Uh-oh. And he had a link in the original email, which I'm not sharing with everyone. And none of you listeners ever heard her say any of this. Well, it's a work in progress, you know, so, but anyway. Everyone um, imagine the hand gesture of the Jedi mind trick in front yes. of your faces. Yes. I will say, I will go based on reasons. what it's looking like, you know, despite the fact that it is for e I think it's a pretty cool-looking adventure, and I would strongly suggest to all of you, once it comes out, you should think about buying it if you like Kobolds. Um, consider he gives a, it. What's, consider what's it. that in the distance I hear? Vaguely, oh, it's Vince going, no, yeah. he sucks. Okay. Well, he does give a brief synopsis of you know what you could expect in it. Um, a reanimated dragon brain in a jar, and his kobold followers have taken over an abandoned mine. The kobolds have tricked out the entire complex with traps. They are building a new body for their master. Oh, sweet. Kind of a clockwork dragon. Yeah, there's lots of classic monsters and a minecart chase. Ooh, boy. Oh, sweet. Gotta I mean, have the minecart chase. Yeah. So it sounds like it's going to be really cool. I think you guys should keep an eye out for it. Even if it is for E, you, I'm sure you can you can make it for basic. It'll yeah, be cool. <laughs> and it'll probably be dedicated to Liz, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can dream. <laughs> anyway, he goes on to say, I am also, I am a huge fan of Dungeon Crawl Classics. Any chance you guys could do a show on it like you have for the other clones? Nope. DCC RPG is not really a clone. <laughs> I would have to look at it. First. Then I I fear not if it's yeah if not it's a not clone. really a clone. I, mean, I have to look at it first. Mike and I, I love make it a bad game. Yeah, I was going to say Mike and I love Castles and Crusades, but 
in the end, when the chips are down, it is not really a clone of anything. So yeah. we don't feel like we can cover it on our show. To me, it's a reinterpretation of third edition. Yeah, it's 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 a three E light, and it's got a lot of one E. D twenty light. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's it's got a lot of one E isms drawn into it. It's a happy medium, I think. It's a good yeah. marriage. If anything, yeah. it's, it's probably a... closer to 1E than basic, actually. But I'm probably going to get a copy at the con, and we'll have to talk, because we're constantly going around. Okay, is this a clone, or is this a clone, or not a clone? Is this really emulating this? Because re- we're, we're constantly reevaluating all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he winds up with, love the show, keep up the good work, Job. Thank you, Job. Thanks, Job. But yeah, I mean, we have to draw the line somewhere, otherwise we'd never have time to do anything but review games. And then DM Glenn keeps moving the line. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to, anyway. And we drag him back. Kicking and screaming all the way. <laughs> and our last email, That's which is very brief, it's from Ethan. Hi, Ethan. And Ethan says, hi, who recorded your new theme song? I love it. Regards, Ethan. Well, I did with my band. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The Dungeon Bastards. No. Uh, (laughs) Actually, the group is called Mississippi Bones. Yes, and the song is called Dungeon Hustle on their album called Tracks. So go to their website and buy one. Yeah, make up for me. (laughs) Yeah, um, one of the one of our listeners actually went over there and bought this the entire song. It was only like a buck or so. Yeah, I would have I I would have bought I would have bought the whole the whole album. I mean, it's got st- tracks like Goblin Blues on it, stuff <laughs> like that. There's a kobold in my pants, and it does a no. <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> so that's who did it. Go out and get it. Yep, and that's the emails. You can send your emails to saver.podcast at gmail.com. And if you rather leave a voicemail, you can call 940-536-3763. I could actually do the... S-O-D. I could, I could actually hear the gears of your brain working, Mike. What is that number? <laughs> actually, it's just me going, my cursor key going down to each of the set of three numbers. So. Hmm. Ah, okay. My mistake. Besides, it gives people time to write it down. Exactly. That's Don't want to go too fast. They'll, they'll miss it. Yeah. We're not all old out there. <laughs> <laughs> and on that tragic, awkward note, let's move into game on. Yeehaw. On game on. Dark yeah. Dungeons. Dark Dungeons. Yeah. Not to be confused with the Check, uh, Chick, Chick Tract. Although I think that was brilliant, naming it that and using using Blackleaf in all the examples. Oh, yes. That was great. For those that don't know, um, there was a little comic strip that was put out by a very radical Christian person. Christian person. Uh, the Jack Chick Tracks. Yes, about the evils of D&D, and he called it Dark Dungeons. 
and it based how D and D would lead to Satanism and suicide, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't mean to correct you, Mike, but Dark Dungeons was just the name of the tract. They actually said D and D in there, Dungeons and Dragons in there, which kind of like whoa. Well, yeah, that's what I meant. I the, the tract was Dark Dungeons. Right, the guy's serious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and even the even the player playing Blackleaf is the same name of the character in the the, the tract. Yes. yes. So the author of Dark Dungeons not only imported the name for this retro clone of the Rules Cyclopedia. But even used, was it Marcy? Yeah, I think it was and, Marcy. And her Marcy, character Marcia, of, like of Blackleaf for examples in the game. In, in now, fe- oh, go ahead. Now, I know when this first came out, he got a lot of flack for that, but I personally think it's great. Oh, I think. I, yeah, we're taking it back. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Just like Randall. That's right. Two. Randall and Clerks. Taking two. it back. Taking it back, man. <laughs> taking it back. It's All right. Mars. It's Mars. Um, That's right. And who, but who wrote this? Well, it is from Gratis Games. Okay. And he offers several variations uh, on the Dark Dungeons quote-unquote system, including a sci-fi game called Science Fiction Double Feature, Code Spandex for Super- superheroes, etc., etc. Plus there's three flavors of Dark Dungeons. Yeah, Dark Dungeons, Darker Dungeons, and Darkest Dungeons? Is that yeah, it? and what is the difference, you may say? Well, I'll tell you. Dark Dungeons is pretty much uh, Menser D&D uh, by way of the Rules Cyclopedia. Uh, Darker Dungeons is the same, only with house rules and changes. And Darkest Dungeons is the RC with house rules and changes and things added from Rollmaster, of all things. Yeah. 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 I wrote, I wrote on the uh, the discussion, the ODD discussion board, and I says, Oh, for a minute, I thought you were going to put Arduin in here. And he wrote back and says, I'm not that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> At least there's a line somewhere. Yeah. But do we have an author or, or anything? I cannot find one yeah, I on my copy. However, their website is www.gratisgames.com. Hold on. Dot webspace dot virginmedia.com. Or you can just, well, you, what you can do is you Google Dark Dungeons, click on that, and it'll say, okay, we're not here anymore, we're over here, and they'll give you a link and you'll be. Right. Well, that's how I found it to begin with. Yeah. So if you don't want to Google, that's the direct web link. Right. And got lots of character sheets and other goodies, extras. Uh, and, you will find, and you will find the forum on the Piazza? Mm-hmm. Yes. For, for the Mistara fans. For, for any fans, there's a Dark Dungeon section, and the author or authors are on there a lot. Okay. So I'd throw that out there. Okay. Well, since you're the rules cyclopedia guy, Glenn, we're going to be depending a lot on your feedback on They're this. They're going to be grilling me on this. Okay. That's right. It's all on you. All uh, on yeah, you. I spent a day and a half looking at it on my wife's Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead. Well... I will admit, when I first started looking at it, it was like 380-something pages, well, how big? Well, yeah. and that just terrified me. I hate large games. Well, he, but, added a, he added a little more. But even the original RC was pretty huge, too, wasn't yeah. it? It was. I mean, RC only comes with the first four box sets of Metzer, with Wrath of the Immortals, a separate box set. 
But Dark Dungeons, from what I can see, added a chunk of Wrath of the Immortals onto the back of it. So that you've got all the box sets from the Pretty much. are crammed together. Pretty much, yeah. So literally one-stop shopping. Yeah, yeah. even more one-stop than the RC. Mm-hmm. And what makes it different? I'll tell you when I come to it. Because <laughs> yeah. it's yeah, I, I really it seems pretty darn close. I couldn't, I I didn't go line by line, but just jumping around, finding random points. Okay, I seem to pretty much be the same as the RC. Right uh, now, I give the RC props for the what is a role playing game, a section of the book. Because I think that's the perfect description of a role-playing game in the Rule Cyclopedia. Now, I give Dark Dungeons props for giving the reader a no-holds-barred, pretty plain-talking reason about what is a retro-clone. And I will say I like how this – it's an updated what is a role-playing game because he is taking it from the context of expecting everybody reading Dark Dungeons – to know about computer role-playing games or MMOs, right? which, of course, weren't mentioned in the RC or any of the other books because they didn't exist really at the time. Right. I mean, I still have people come up and say, how can they publish this through, well, you know, the OGL and all this other stuff? Yeah, but that was just for D20 and all that. And you just point to this because he lays it out right there, why they can do this, how far they can go, and this is why this product is here. And, and- I... I give him props for that. Mm-hmm. And? 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 You said and? Well, you already covered it, so. Okay. <laughs> so it emulates its parent very well. It seems to. Um, it character generation is still the same. Right. Unified uh, attribute. Yep. Bonuses and penalties. Clerics still don't get a spell at first level. You. Which, which, uh, that email talking about an all cleric party, that's where you should have started him. Just made him fight. <laughs> no spells. No spells, Although no as, turning. Go away. Although, as I've pointed out, at least in the earlier sets, you know, scrolls are so cheap. Yeah, just take but, a few dozen scrolls with you and you're fine. Yeah, well, maybe not a few dozen, but <laughs> each one should be able to afford easily one or two. Especially if you can find a mage in the party to... <laughs> Bankroll everyone. Yeah, you're right. That would be nice. You get a nice sugar daddy to bankroll the party. Well, yeah, because, I mean, the mage, the magic user buys, you know, their staff, maybe a couple of backpa- a backpacks, and then they've got, like, 150, 200 gold left. Right. Now, is it easy for new people to learn? About as easy as it is from the Rural Cyclopedia, which I find very easy. Well, mm. they really walk you through creating a character. You know, if you are completely new to the whole concept uh-huh. and have never done it before, I thought they did a very good job of, you know, going through the process, what your hypothetical player is thinking in her head, what she wants, how she uses the character generation rules to get it or get something right. very close. Um, I think that, you know, they covered all the bases on, you know, what kind of questions a, a total newbie would have on how and why they would do what they did to make their first character. Right. And in that chapter, Blackleaf almost becomes a halfling or a cleric. Or a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Yeah, it was really interesting, you know, the, our hypothetical player, you know, was kind of wanting Blackleaf to be able to do magic, but the roles didn't come out right, so it's like, well, she's not going to be able to be a magic user, she's only got an intelligence of eight. It's like, well, okay, you know, and I don't want her to be a halfling, because I envisioned her being tall and slender. It's like, okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll make her a thief then, you know, and, you know, kind of taking a look at the thought processes of, you know, what you eventually come up with. And it works. It works. It's, I, I just, uh, there was a certain part in that character creation book that seemed to me kind of contradicted itself. Because it says, you know, you're doing the, 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 it strict three, six stats all the way down, 3d6, right? Mm-hmm. But before that, it said, get up, get some idea in your head about what kind of character you want to play. But n- not if you're doing the stats like that, no. Not in order, yeah. 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 And then it says do them in order, and it's like, well, this is kind of like, I know later on you can get with the DM, and they do have the stat swap thing later. Yeah, so isn't yeah two as, for one. Yeah, but it isn't as restrictive as like the RC or the earlier editions. But at the same time, you're kind of leading them wrong, saying, oh, I want to play a, I want to play a cleric, but my wisdom's only three. Yeah, and there's not enough stat swapping in the world that's going to make my wisdom high enough. Right. But they did give you the option of the DM said, you know, you can, like, you know, swap a high stat for your prime requisite. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I really did. I I keep thinking they should have switched those paragraphs. (laughs) Well, I think the author was probably letting slip what has really become common practice. In True. D&D, you know, yeah, the rules always said, you know, you really ought to leave them in order, but True. not many people do. That's true. That's true. That's true. But it's, it, like I said, it's, it's easy to learn. It's, it's yeah. pretty easy to learn. Now, did Rules Cyclopedia have firearms? No. Okay, because there are guns here. Yeah, I saw that. Red powder? Yeah. And, and it's, I didn't quite understand what he was getting at about like um, things. This world, you know, they're taking certain assumptions. He's assuming there's 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 a black uh, firearms. Is that what he's saying? Basically, yeah. In, in the basic fantasy world, which although he does state that it's up to the GM, you right? Know, well, with well, all of it is up to availability. The, yeah. But I'm going. For, part of me was going, yeah. The part of me going, this isn't consistent with the rest of it, <laughs> the, with the rest of D um, mm-hmm. and D. No. And the third part says, well, who cares? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was kind. Of, it's he's red powder weapons. I didn't see any. Were there weapons? I I couldn't see very well in that damn kill. Were there weapon stats on there? I mean, for firearms. Yes. Also, how to reload. Um. How many hands you need to use a particular weapon? I've got to get this book. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying, Glenn, that this stuff in particular that we're talking about now was not in the RC. That's right. Okay, okay. so this is new stuff. Yes, it is. Yeah. All righty. Now, stuff. do you know if that came from any of the box sets of Mincer or if this nope. is totally new? This is like, uh, this is something I'll bet he added in. Probably, okay. probably house ruled or something. I don't know, but I'm I'm pretty much sure that there are no black powder rules, and I think the whole TSR team would have been lynched by the players if they had put them in there. Uh, 
from Gygax. Oh, I don't know. I think the players would love it. <laughs> True. Oh, I'm sorry. Gygax would lynch them all. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. of course, by the time the rules psychopedia, he had left yeah, DSR for, for quite a while. That's true. But, uh, yeah, that's that's totally new. Okay. As far as I know. Yeah, it does have the race as class, although it does have the mystic. Yes, it does. Which is basically the a version of the 1E monk, and I think was introduced either in the companion or the master set. Mm-hmm. And I guess and that makes it accurate. I assume it's in the rule cyclopedia. Then. It is. Yes, the mystic is in there. Okay. And it also lets clerics be druids at ninth level. Although Which is definitely from companion. Yeah, and also they do the they let um, fighters be paladins at ninth level, but they don't do this like one for each alignment. They just call it a cavalier, and it's like you pick your alignment. Mm. Or a knight. Yeah, they call it a cavalier. A chevalier, cavalier, whatever. And basically, okay, you got a lawful, neutral, evil one, you know. Right, because you only have the three alignments to worry about. Right. And I think in Companion, it was like evil was an avenger, lawful neutral was a knight, and lawful was a paladin. Right. So they just dispensed with that and just made one. Yeah. Yeah, which is nice. I like I like streamlining. Well, in a 389-page rule book, streamlining, I'm absolutely... Oh, you got to do it somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm not really... You know, I will be the first to admit all day long that I am really not familiar with Mincer or Rules Cyclopedia at all. Right. Um, when they're talking about the cleric in here and saying that a cleric's powers are provided by an immortal basically an intermediary of the actual god or goddess rather than the god or goddess themselves. Um, is that the way it works in Rule Cyclopedia, or is this something that's kind of different? As far as I know, in all of basic, including Rule Cyclopedia, Mastar, whatever you want to call it, as far as I know, the immortals are the gods. So yeah, I was wondering if that was a skip out, you know, rather than saying gods directly. I think yeah. so. This is for the immortals box set because that you know because the if you specify a difference between an immortal and a god, well, you can kill an immortal. You can't yeah. kill a god. I mean, it kind of says it's up to the game master to determine the exact details and what role the immortal plays in it. Commonly, this role will be as an intermediary, servant, or messenger of the god that the cleric worships. So they're basically saying an immortal is like an avatar of the god. Yeah, but or it's the saint. avatar that's giving the cleric the powers, not okay. the god themselves. I don't remember reading anything. It's probably in the immortal set, which I'm not familiar with. But that is yeah. yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. that I, mean, I know that in the immortal set, if for a PC to become an immortal... They have to be sponsored by a patron immortal okay. and given a million gold, uh, XP bonus in order to, to ascend into immortality. Yeah, but it's a- I'm wondering if this is while they're, how they're trying to go ahead and start building a relationship between a character and an immortal. So they would that immortal would become your patron? Theoretically. On, yeah, you got that, high sound, that sounds about right. Hmm. Yeah. That sounds like another thing so probably somebody probably house-ruled. Yeah, and, and Vince is in here since he's Mr. Immortal's yeah. box. But you know what? But you know what? I find that concept rather interesting of them being like an avatar of a god. 
See, I didn't even think God's engineer. I figured immortal equals God because, and you know. That's what I would have thought. Because yeah. I, yeah because or at least I, a demigod. Because I thought when you have an immortal, they're a representation of some thing, maybe an energy, oh. an idea, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Well, but, let's all remember this is the time of TSR's political correctness where they were trying to get away from things that made the common social, you know, society uncomfortable, like True. demons, devils, gods. True. Da da da. True, and this guy just took it and ran with it. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like, but it's it's an interesting thing to ponder. Mm-hmm. Well, did we explain why that would be different, say, in Dark Dungeons as opposed to Rule Cyclopedia, because they imported the Immortals rules? I, like I said, I couldn't tell you because I'm not familiar with that section of D and D. I tend to shun, other than clerics worshiping gods and having temples and stuff. I tend to shun uh, the affairs of the higher beings. Well, yeah, I mean, companion is about as far as I ever used, and even that was mostly NPC stuff. Right. Um, I never, I have yet to even read the master set. Right. And I only skimmed the Immortals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's my pretty much my interpretation of it. Um, I think it's a house rule version of what's in the Immortals set. This is when I look at the Immortals, yeah. I'll, I'll let you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, anyway, what were we saying? <laughs> Well, I know we were cut, we were talking about character creations in general and going over, you know, sure. like races, class, yada yada, and that reminded me, hey, I had this question about the the cleric gotcha. character generation, so I jumped over to that. Gotcha. And of course, we have races, class, and uh, you know, it's pretty much standard elf, half elf, halfling, and dwarf. Um. But like I said, you know the C, you know the RC. This looks really, really familiar. Did RC have weapon feats? Yes. See, the, he see. I had to. It took me a while because he renamed a few things. Yeah, that's what I was. You well, know, Mike and I were trying to look in our you know digital copy of RC. It's like we can't find weapon feats. You know, well, maybe they're called special specializations. They're, they're or something. Weapon, called weapon skills. Ah, okay. Uh, no, That's no, what no. I thought. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm, I pulled out my uh, my RC here um, because combat, combat. Okay, no, that's not it. Well, I know it was the master set that introduced all that kind of very right. combat skill system. Right. Um, yeah, it's back here somewhere. I wish I had my tabbed version here. Okay, yeah. other character abilities. Here we go. Um, I know have- Mike and I are playing second edition right now, and you know, so it when was I was told- reading that, the first thing I thought of was, huh, it's like the, you know, weapon and non-weapon, right? You know, stuff in two E. Okay, uh, the RC has skills, of course, and they call it weapon mastery. Ah. Uh, in here, which is to- both of those, by the way, are totally optional in the RC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some critics of the RC I have heard point to stuff like this and talk about how it's kind of become, at this point, it's becoming stealth 2E. Yeah, I knew. But, you know, that was, that was in the later box sets of Metzer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's nothing new, really. 
Well, and later box sets of Mincer were what, 88, 89, 90? I mean, that's nothing. Which would have put them around 2E anyhow. Yeah, and I'm just going to say it's nothing compared to what Gary did with the Unearthed Arcana. <laughs> mm. <laughs> with the, with the, uh, introducing the non-weapon proficiencies and all that. Actually, I think the NWPs showed up in Oriental Adventures. No, that was weapon proficiencies. Are you sure? Because one of them I can think of right off the bat was origami. Because I remember weapon proficiency. And I don't know that you can and kill then- someone with origami. You can't? Doggone it. Well, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no wonder my dog's still alive. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to swear to it. <laughs> well, if I you guess. could take an origami crane and throw it into someone's eye, maybe you could kill someone. <laughs> Paper cut. I don't know. <laughs> and then throw a lemon at them that's been opened. <laughs> lemon juice. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, gosh. Anyway. Anyway, Dark Dungeons, um, yeah, let's, uh, let us go on. Very well. Ask, ask away, what is your next question, uh, Padawan? <laughs> well, going down the list, um, it Scott. seems that stat blocks for monsters are pretty much... Yeah, rank and file. Laid ...down in home slash uh, mold bay slash mincer. It's the stat, stat stuff. Pretty much. It threw me a curve because he talked about basic attack bonuses in there. And what he was trying to say is they go. Yeah. Well, well he had to okay. use – he's OGLing, so he has to use things like feats and bab. You know, some yeah. I, I was going, what's this, what's this three stuff doing in here? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, oh, okay. Daco, daco. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it took me a minute. So, okay, it's all the same. Fine. And I had double checked and made sure it was descending armor class. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the stat blocks are pretty much, um, you know, interchangeable with the RC or mm-hmm. any, any basic. I mean, you can probably look in BX too and it'd be the same stat block. Yeah. yeah. And uh, at least with Dark Dungeons, you can tell me how it works over in Rules Cyclopedia, but there's actually very little of the book. That is kind of "quote unquote" GM knowledge. Yeah, about two thirds of the book is just the game and everything. I mean, yeah, the DM's supposed to read all that, but I mean, as far as like, you know, how to game master, that's about the last third of RC. At mo- okay. Yeah, and that's also filled with stuff like you know, uh, an overview of Mastara and the planes and all that kind of stuff. And how to convert to two EA D and D. Yes, that's right. That's right. Which is in Rule Cyclopedia is not in Dark Dungeons. That's right. And to me, that section is worth its weight in gold, since I play both. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a published campaign world for Dark Dungeons? That I know of. Yeah. I couldn't find any on Gratis Games' website. I'm, you know, I'd have to look in the forums there and see if they're working on one or not, but I have not heard of anything, any uh, campaign world. Yeah, there's no, dare I say... Official campaign world. Yeah, you know, well, you know, Mistara by any other name, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much. Um, and yeah, both uh, known world and hollow world slash Mistara was covered in brief in the rule cyclopedia, and of course, it is not in Dark Dungeons. No, it's not. They're they're kind of leaving that up to the DM. Just mm-hmm. Leave it up to the, the people who play, which, which is, is why I think. 
which it, it, yeah, they're going on the assumption of, well, you know, there's a metric buttload of stuff out there already for worlds. Just, what, ex- you know. what exactly is a metric buttload? Is that different <laughs> from an imperial buttload? Or? Yes, it is. I think it has to do with it, like the it's it's that weird metric system. You know that, Mike. Okay, so it's like two or three it's metric like, buttloads yeah, equal an imperial buttload plus one point five liter of ass. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Just checking. Okay, yeah, but anyway, they're they're leaving it up to the players and the people who game. They have a huge list of spells, monsters. Oh yeah. Gear. Yeah. And, um, including some of the monsters, quite frankly, that were basically redone and stuck in the RC, but are really one E monsters. I'm thinking particularly the demons and devils. Right. And it's all and it's all public domain art in that book. Why he didn't call me and Corey, I'll never know. But anyway. Um, yeah, I noticed that myself. Um, although I guess we'll get to that when we're talking about yeah, art products. layout. Yeah, but, pretty much. However, I must say, if you are a big fan of graphs and charts, oh boy, you there are a billion charts in here, <laughs> yeah. charts and tables. Speaking of charts and all tables. the charts and tables you can eat. <laughs> yep. They also, for those who run Dominions and that sort of thing, they got that. They imported that as well as the War Machine. Oh yeah, the, the, yeah, which works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you do your homework beforehand, it works. And it yeah, works yeah. well, too, pretty fast. The base system, I don't think, is a bad one at all. I just think that it, they go overboard on modifiers. Yeah. yeah. That can slow you down a lot, especially yeah, even in, even in, something off the cuff. Even in the RC, I'm going, and I'm going to have to like devote a half hour before the game just to work this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's all the modifiers. I mean, troops, troop type, quality. Experience, you know, that's easy enough to do. It's all the, you know, plus two if a spellcaster is in versus minus one if they're less than five feet tall or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just making I mean, up stuff. Well, the RC has started out simple. Um, the RC is the first place in basic I saw where they use the asterisk system for monsters, which I find handy. Because if you notice, there's some monsters, to explain to the audience who don't know, some monsters, where you say hit dice, you'll see a set of asterisks from one to whatever. Each asterisk means a different attack, opposed to like just like, you know, swinging and hitting you and stuff like that. And Under the damage? Under the yeah, damage section, you mean? Yeah, yeah, damage. Yeah, damage, sorry. Oh, okay. um, and it, so if it has like three asterisks, it's got... The basic attack plus three other attacks, like a poison attack or a breath attack or, you know. So if you see an asterisk, that means you automatically know that monster has a special kind of attack? Right. Rather than the 1E, 2E, special attacks, special defenses categories. Right. And I find Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah, that is – it's a quick, visually easy to click – yeah, and it'll give you, you know, it'll give you the damage and stuff for those special attacks and stuff. But it's it's great for being a DM at a glance. I can see, okay, this this dragon has X amount of attacks. Okay, I gotta, you know, take care of that. This undead has this attack. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but when you get to war machine, that's where it's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's where it starts complicating things. Yeah. They do like, okay, you put this much for how many dice of damage it does, plus half as much for every asterisk it has, and da 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 da. Multiply da. by pi. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm champion's player, and that's still kind of like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, um, as far as a game system, I think we're all agreed that it is, if not 100% rule cyclopedia, it's probably 99%. Yeah, and it's bitching, man, yeah. Um, yeah, if you cannot find a copy, Big Borrow, if you cannot Big Borrow, steal an RC, order this bad boy. You can get it through them. You can, you can download it for free. Yeah. Um, they got three different versions too. They got one for download, one for um, printing at a printer like you know Office Depot or Kinkos, and one for printing at home, like the, the no art the no art version. Yeah. yeah, that's a no art version. The one to print at Kinkos and stuff is one with everything's black and white art, and everything else is black and white. And the full color one is the one where you put it on your you know your computer, right on your computer, or Kindle or whatever, not Kindle. It's- you know, but uh, yeah, so you can do that, or you can order yourself a hard copy, which is what I'm probably going to do soon. Yeah, they go through Lulu, right? They go through Lulu. The hardback is twenty four ninety five, and the soft cover is fourteen ninety five, which is damn reasonable, really. Does that include shipping? Uh, no, that does not include shipping. Ah, okay, it's still reasonable. No, um, you're going to pay more for that for. A lot of standard game books. Yeah. I mean, I I was going to take a copy down to Office Depot, and I priced it out because I just wanted to print it so I could three hole, have a three-hole punch so I could put it in a binder, and that was 26 bucks. And mm-hmm. that's not even for the color stuff. And that, you know, so, yeah, it's, it's very... Yeah, for that, you'd be better just ordering the soft cover. Yeah, it's very, very reasonable, and I endorse it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... Speaking of printing and how it looks, let's go over into products of your imagination. Okay. Your dungeon master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. Where are the Cheetos? They're right next to you. Well, all you do is we play the characters we talked about earlier when we run around and stuff. I want to show you a trick Mother showed me when you weren't around. Use your lightning bolt. Victory is yours. I'm attacking the darkness. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons game. Products of your imagination. You're not there. You're getting drunk. Products of your imagination. Well, I'm Glenn Halstrom, and I endorse this product. <laughs> Big surprise. That's... Now, here we're going to talk about it just as a physical product, not how it copies or emulates its game. Okay. So... Liz, you're the graphics designer here. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> well, I I hate to be a Debbie Downer here. Uh oh. But um, as far as the layout design of the book, I I can't say that I'm terribly impressed with it. Really. Um. Now, as far as the order in which the information is presented, very intuitive. You know, I think they did really well. Um, but just visually looking at it, you know, the text columns are crammed so close together. Uh-huh. You know, you've got the rules going down the middle of the page to separate each column. 
but you still got your text just kind of jamming right up against those rules. And it's it can be very difficult to look at and read. Mm. Um, so I think they could have done they could have worked a little bit harder on it. You know, I understand it's a big book. It's 345 pages, and that's with everything being crammed in as much as possible. They might have been very afraid of making it much bigger and scaring a lot of people off. But visually, I think the book would have been um, would have been well served if they could have, you know, not jammed so much into every page. Right. Right. I I'll I'll amen that. I even even though I could I look on my computer and it's like that's kind of that's kind of close. Mm-hmm. How's the art? Um, well, as Glenn and I both mentioned, um, it's it's all you know public domain art. Um, they did make an effort of you know looking for woodcuts and you know art from the medieval early renaissance period right so you you get a good feel for the fantasy type you know period that you're you're looking for this game you know being a part of right. the and milieu so, yeah. yeah the milieu and you the know, art they, director did a really good job on picking he didn't just throw some woodcuts in there. He actually looked at the chapters, what they're about, and planned accordingly and picked the right kind of artwork. Yeah, they they made good choices for the artwork that they that they did use. Um, mm-hmm. I could have wished for some more original art, but you know, as far as you know, it's a totally free download. So you know, you don't want to nitpick too much it's like the game's free damn it come on yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> um, but you know yeah it would have been nice to have had some original artwork and there's there's always a few people who are you know willing to do stuff if not for gratis then for you know fairly cheap <laughs> yep I'm, hi I'm fairly hi that's my middle name for the love of the game <laughs> that's my middle name fairly cheap yeah, Lynn fairly cheap Hallstrom that's right mostly 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 I gotta eat yeah yeah um, those are my main gripes with the layouts though yeah uh, but like what I about said the font mm, font could be I bigger yeah some of the fonts could be bigger um your subheaders in particular in a lot of cases are you know they're the same the the font size is the same as your body text on your subheads and they bolded it and made it a different color but i think they could have gone you know a font size one or two points Point. higher yeah um so like i said a lot of things that i would have made different choices on um, but it's a free game, so don't knock it. <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. had to try to stick with the game they're trying to emulate. You know, it's not like they could chop out information effectively. Yeah. Yeah, and um, they have not all and still, the information. <laughs> yeah, not and still basically be an equivalent to the rules cyclopedia. Gotcha. What about you, Glenn? Um. I'm I'm pretty much on board with that as far as layout goes. I understand that the different print versions have slightly different changes in them, like the 
I think they said the uh, the print either the print shop or the home. I think it was the print shop room came, comes with a slightly larger font to read for the main text um, and things like that. But surprisingly, it's still the same page count. Wow. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, it could it could have been a little. I mean, you know, I'm yeah, I'm reading it on a Kindle, right? But you know, I'm constantly jacking around with the uh, the 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 you know enlarge. Reduce magnifier. here the, the magnifier, trying to get like you know the first half of the page without cutting it off and all this other stuff. It was a bit of a pain. Now okay. I know Kindles don't handle PDFs all that well, but still, you know, you use what you got. And uh, a lot of people are going to be reading the PDFs like that nowadays. That's right, with their tablets and things. But, but, it, mm-hmm. but then again, we're talking Kindle versus like you know a iPod whatever, or a Microsoft Surface or something that's like way, yeah, something that way better to read on than this thing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so that I take that into account too. But overall, you know, the book is good. The book, and it was done, you know, it's, and it was, you know, what, what we said about this, don't get us wrong, this book was done very professionally. It looks very clean, neat. It wasn't just like, it wasn't early 80s thrown together. Yeah, I didn't hear either one of you mention that you saw there were a lot of noticeable typos. No, oh, and, no. and no booger art, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it was public domain. Yeah, public domain booger art. No, we're going to get hobo art. Okay. <laughs> Be nice. Okay, I guess we should rate this thing. Huh? Yeah, I'll, I would just like to say that, you know, I... Oh, sorry. I will certainly, in you know, salute them for the high quality of the what is a role playing game and and walking people through it. Because as I've said on the show before, I think that is something that the OSR movement people it's too easy to just kind of go, eh, I'm just writing this for other old farts like me, so I don't have to worry about it. And I really, I, I'm afraid that that could be a mistake. It could. We're, we're missing out on bringing in new people because we're making certain assumptions. And, I mean, think of how, the first year Dungeons & Dragons was out, it only sold a 1,000 copies. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Um, and part of that was because, well, it they was just written by Wargamers. just 1,000 copies. No. Well, <laughs> that and it was written by Wargamers for Wargamers. Anyone right. who's read the Little Brown books realizes that this was not written with the new person in mind. Right. And and it was when they start only when it started growing on college campuses and such that they came up with the idea of you know we need to write something that the average Joe can understand. Right. So I will salute them for what for doing that in here. I think that was a good idea. How many dragons would you give it? <sighs> that many, huh? I'll say four. Because I think it does a good job of copying its parent, both in in detail and in spirit. I personally don't like this much of a rule system, but I'm I'm not letting that color my my view of the game. I'm just looking at it as the game, and I think it is certainly a four out of five. Um, it could have done with some better layout work. But since I basically looked at the no art version, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt, and instead of a 3.5, go with 4. Thank you, Mike. What about you, Liz? Um, well, since I could see the layout 
I'm I'm going to be more of a hard ass than Mike. All right. Um, if the layout had been better, I would also have given it a four, but I am going to give it a three point five because I think, you know, with just a little bit more time, you know, with whatever program they were using to do their text layout, I think they could have done so much more with it and not have it be such an eye strain with all of that text jammed in together. And when you get to the pages and pages of tables and charts and they're just all kind of blurring together into one giant thing. Oh yeah. You know I perhaps I'm I'm doing them a disservice, but that was very difficult for me to get past. Um, so yeah, that's that is the only reason I'm giving it less than a four. I think content wise they did good, but they could have done better on putting it together visually. Glenn? Uh, I want to give it a four because... Um, wow. Well... I expected you to give it a six. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are the, the layout issues that Liz mentioned, and that can be a, a thing. But, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm just judging it on a Kindle or in front of my, my face on a computer, too. You know, I'm, I'm going to order the, the softback, and uh, I might just go, wow, this really works. But uh, I'm not counting on that because, uh, yeah, the tables were kind of crunched together. And uh, the text could be riddle. I love things that I can read without my glasses, and this isn't one of them. But mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, I give him props for what is a retro clone. Yeah. And I give him props for the fact that it's out there, and the RC isn't so much. And yeah, I it's kind of hard to get a hold of. I said, anybody who can't get a hold of the RC, order this. Also, I give it the four because... It's a great supplemental book to the RC. I would hand this to a player who needs to roll roll a character. I'm using the RC. I can't let mine go because I got it all marked up, or I'm the DM, or whatever. Say, here's my copy of Dark Dungeons. Just use that. I have I have no qualms about doing that to a, with a player. You know what would probably help Dark Dungeons? What's that? And y'all can tell me what you think. Oh, uh, what's that? If they sold, if they had it available, not only as the big PDF. But as maybe in chapter chunks, that might work. So you could just print out a chap given chapter, like you know, creating characters and stuff. That way, you have something ready on hand to just give a give a new player or something. You mean like a cool. uh, you mean like a starter thing for new players? Yeah, yeah, and it's like little mini books. That would be cool. I never think about that because when I do PDFs, I only I print out whole books, but there's only one, also ones where I know I just want these these pages here. Right. In fact, Matt. My DM, he took the RC. He was using that box, that box set of Dungeons and Dragons we were talking about, the black mm-hmm. one. He took the character creation and equipment and things like and stuff like that, and made booklets for the players. But so then that, that seems to be kind of a hobby of his, isn't it? It, it is, but I'm saying he's got the right idea, though. Yes, yeah, as, yeah. as this goes, you know, if they made like. Uh, Dark Dungeons Light or Dark Dungeons Starter for players. The Player's Guide to Darkness or whatever. Dim Dungeons. Yeah. <laughs> dungeons of insufficient lighting. Twi- Twilight Dungeons. <laughs> no, no, they'll think it's a whole different. They'll yeah. Like, ah. <laughs> Sparkly vampires, no. 
So, Glenn gives it a four, even though it doesn't have a denim bedazzled cover. Uh, I could make it. Well, I need the hardback for that. But anyway. yeah. So, uh, that comes out to a 3.8. I would get um, the hardback, but <laughs> I'm cheap. Um, yeah, I think it does. Okay. And I guess that will lead That's one up. of our higher. That's one of our higher yeah. ratings. So, As we're heading down the Retro Clone Highway... I'm busy comparing the two. I'm walking down with one book in each of my hand going, yeah, which one is this? <laughs> How are you headed down there, Liz? I am headed down on the back of Blackleaf the Dragon. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> not Blackleaf, no. <laughs> oh. And I am walking down the way with... Dark Dungeons, and the Jack Chick track, and comparing the two. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So, so Mike can learn how to get up to fifth level and the inner circle. Yeah, and get to wear the cool robes and stuff. Yeah. You just want to be in that D, in that group that had the hot chick DM. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, who's with me? <laughs> <laughs> and that one, chick, that one chick who makes a face that looks like she just let out a fart. Yeah. <laughs> I miss that one. <laughs> yes, I got my dad talked my dad into paying two hundred dollars more of more of D and D stuff, and it's like, what'd you buy? Like two books <laughs> nowadays? Sure. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, well, we'll see everybody next time, where we will hopefully have a surprise new host, host DM, to join the three of us for the show. Oh, we can we'll play- keep y'all thinking about it as to who it might be. Ooh. Hint: It's not Vince. <laughs> Yes. So, Vince, if you're listening. <laughs> and it's not Monty. It's not. No, no. I need to clear that out ahead of time so nobody got confused. Oh, okay. Well, I guess so, time to go. So, tune in well, next time and next find time, out. New host and a new contest. Mm. But not for Liz's teeth. Nope. So, Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Briark. <laughs>